worship the Lord this morning.
21, 5 and 6 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water, through, water without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Church, this morning we're gonna sing a newer song for us called New Thing. And may that be true for us. He has new things for you. No matter what season of life you're in, he has new things. Would you sing this with me? Revival, preceded by justice. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you who began a good work in us. Thank you, Lord. Still working, Lord. Still yeah, working on us. And you're, you're sanctifying us. You're, you're bringing us into that process of being made holy and holier day by day, Lord. You've set us aside, Lord. And you're calling us into a new thing, Lord. The new heavens and the new earth that will someday be, Lord. But yet we're looking forward to that day. And while we're still here, Lord, we're calling and inviting others into your family, the family of God and into a great and grand inheritance, Lord. So remind us of that new thing that you're doing, that thing that you have for us, yet keep our hearts set and our minds set on your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Almost there. Hello. <laughs> Good morning and welcome. It's not working. Is it going? There you go. Uh, there we go. Is it? Okay, there we go. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Good morning and welcome. It's Family Sunday again. We are just so glad you guys are back. Uh, as you can tell from the name, it's Family Sunday. We are all together here today. We got all the kids in. So we are just so glad. We have donuts. And it's just going to be a great time to listen to the message today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're Breger. Oh, yes. I am Breger. And... Yeah. This is Jeremy. Jeremy, my name is Jeremy. I'm the youth and family pastor here, and this is not my son, and he's not related. But my wife got us confused this morning, and I, I, don't, I don't have know any how. positions here <laughs> yet. So yeah, we're so glad you're joining us here on Family Sunday. Um, it's an exciting day as well. We're having child dedication right after this, and so it's just a great day to, to be together as a family. Um, we've got a few things coming up. So we also, uh, last week, we, we were challenged to help give towards um, Hurricane Ian relief, and so that was the challenge put out. I don't remember. I don't know how much was raised last week, but we're going to keep raising that. $10,000. We raised $10,000. That's amazing. <laughs> So that is just a, a, a generous gift that we're going to be sending out to uh, Hope City Church out in Florida to, to support them in their, in their um, kind of regrowth effort, building up efforts. So that's um, there. Um, if you still want to help give towards that, you can write a check out to Harvest Church or age, you know, on the website and just put in the memo, um, Hurricane Relief. Um, and, and, and that's on top of your regular giving. Church, you've been just an amazing church to, to continue giving. Um, it's been a, just a great growth in, our, in the season of our church. So thank you so much. Also, we are going to be on October 31st or Halloween. We typically don't like Halloween. It's a little <laughs> bit well, dark. More, yeah, it's a dark, it's a, it's a dark holiday. Yeah. So we want to make it much more family friendly. So we are going to be having an outreach during Halloween where we're going to have like a mini carnival in here. So there's going to be candy. It's going to be great. You can donate candy back at the info center. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's going to be 3 to 5 p.m. 3 to 5 p.m. On October 31st. So yeah, open the doors to the community. It's going to be a great time just to share the gospel message with them in just a tangible way. So it's going to be awesome. And gals, I um, want, want you to mark your calendar for uh, November 18th at 6 p.m. We're going to be having a gals event. And this is just like, put it on your calendar. We don't have all the details yet, so details are to come. But that will be November 18th on a Friday night, 6 p.m. Also, for the winter season, we are going to get ready for Operation Christmas Child. If you don't know what this is, you take a little like shoebox 
and you fill it with a bunch of toys and stuff, and then it gets sent across the world to a child that's not going to be able to celebrate a normal Christmas. Yeah. And so we just want to bless these kids so you can pick up your Operation Christmas Child box on the back and make sure you drop it off by November 13th so that it can be shipped out on time. Awesome. And you said your family's probably done 30 to 40 boxes over your lifetime? Quite a few. Okay. They've done yeah, a few. we've done right. quite a few. Awesome. Well, we got a video for um, Operation Christmas Child. Let's check that out. Count of three when children open the shoe boxes, they're so excited. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited. Giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. God will bless, and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one of you. All right. So just what a great way to impact our world for the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, get your boxes in the back of the info center. Right now we're going to have a, a time of meet and greet. So say hello to someone around you as well as um, I'll invite up to the stage those, those um, families that are dedicating their children today. So say hi to someone around you. We'll be back in a minute.
you guys will... Welcome everyone, Child Dedication Sunday. Yeah, you can go on the side, yeah. All right, come on up, come on up, Schwartzes. What an exciting day. Shows our, our church is growing, not, you know, from the, from the youngest up, so it's, it's, exci- it's great to see your families up here, it's... Um, Right. So I get to introduce everyone first. So over here we have Logan and Caitlin Weiss, and we have their whole family. But today they're going to be dedicating Theodore, Theo, and Willow. Let's see. And, and Theo was born July 13th, 2022. And Willow was born August 17th, 2019. And Emmett, back here, was born December 21st, 2016. All right. And over here, we have the Schwartz family. We got Joel and Caitlin and Gwen. And uh, today, they're going to be dedicating Laurel. And she was born on uh, January 19th, 2019. I got the date right? Okay. And then also Juniper, who was born on October 21st. 2020. So you just had a birthday. That's exciting. So today, it's, 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 it's a great day because first and foremost, it's the parents that were dedica- are dedicating their lives uh, to the Lord and the raising of their children in, to nurture and discipline and the admonition of the Lord. Um, New Living Translation says the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so I want to read a passage from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I have commanded you today shall be in your heart. So first and foremost, it's, it's the parent's relationship to God that's the most important. And um, uh, it, it starts with the parents in their walk with the Lord as they're loving and obeying him and drawing closer to him to the Lord in humble obedience. So I brought up a triangle because I think in a way this is the it, our relationship with God is the best pyramid scheme there is out there. Okay? It's the good pyramid scheme. And so at a tr- on a triangle you have three different points. And you have God up top because God is the rock. He's unmovable. But as the husband and wife begin to draw closer to God and they begin to come closer and closer to God, you can see they also dr- come closer to each other. And so as your relationship individually grow and, and become closer to God, so too will your relationship with you as spouses grow closer to each other. And then what that does is Paul says that follow me or imitate me as I follow and imitate Christ. So as you are going closer in your, your walk, the kids are going to see that and they're going to replicate that. So that is the triangle. But it also says in Deuteronomy, it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's, it's a lifestyle of raising these kids up and teaching and nourishing. And it takes full efforts, 100%, right? 100%. Psalm 127 says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like the arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children in one's youth. 
And it says, happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak uh, with their enemies at the gate. So the Bible says that children are not only a heritage and a reward, but they're also arrows in the hand of a warrior. Parents, you're warriors. We're raising dragon slayers in the time of dragons. I like that Facebook post that came out during 2020. You see, arrows are not just meant to, be, to stay in the quiver. They're meant to be shot out. They're meant to be released. They're, they're, they're meant to be sent out. And it, that takes time. It takes focus. It takes effort. It takes concentration. So that's what parenting is. It is preparing your children to be released out into the world and accomplish what God has for them. So I'd love right now just to, to, for the church body, you're a part of this community to, to help raise these kids, to love on them. So why don't you raise your hand for it as we just pray over these two families. Jesus, we thank you for these two families, Lord, who are here saying that they're here to dedicate their children unto the Lord. We thank you for each of the individual personalities of these children and all that you want to accomplish in and through them, Lord. And so, Lord, draw the parents closer to you, God, and closer to each other, Lord, so that their relationship might be strong and that that love might trickle down into the lives of their kids and that kids witness, Lord, your, their obedience to you, Lord. So, Lord, we dedicate these children unto the Lord. We dedicate them to you, God. We say, Lord, that good work that you started in them, we complete it, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love you. All right, Steve. Yeah, I'm up. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. I remember uh, 31 years ago, roughly, we uh, dedicated Sweet KK to the Lord. And, uh, and really, it is a dedication of the parents, as Jeremy said. We're actually asking parents to make a commitment of their lives to raise up godly offspring. And um, we're talking today about impacting our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. I tell you, as parents and grandparents, we've got the greatest opportunity to impact our nation, our world, our community, and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So sometimes when we're busy, you look at my, uh, look at these young families, you've got, there's so much going on. There's so much activity and so much drawing and pulling on these young families. And I, I just want to encourage parents and grandparents and great-grandparents that the greatest thing that you can do is, is impact your little kids with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And watch how that will change the culture and will change your family and will change the dynamic of the, the nation and the world. Good and wonderful things happen as a result of that investment. And it's an investment, right? It's like a lifetime of investment, but it's got the best return uh, possible. That's just the most amazing thing. And so with that, let's pray as we get into the message today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, Lord, we just want to invite you. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to set time aside in the service to challenge people, to challenge uh, families to raise their kids the way that the scriptures inform us to raise our kids. And so Lord, I pray that there would be strength 
around that focus and commitment around that focus, Lord, that there would be a lifetime of dedication around that focus, Lord, that we as your church would make it our priority to pray for the next generation, to disciple the next generation, Lord God, to instruct and to model to the next generation what it means to be a servant of yours, a follower of yours, Lord God. So in our conduct and our words and our thoughts and our deeds, God, that they would see and want to emulate and model that in their own, uh, in their own lives, Lord God. And so we pray, Jesus, that uh, each week as we gather, that we'd be built up in our most holy faith, that we would receive instruction and encouragement to do what you've called us to do in your word. And so part of that and a major part of that, Lord, is that we might impact those around us, impacting our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So help us to do that, we pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many can remember, you guys seem a little quiet today, how many can remember our core values, four core values on which we move forward together on? I'll give you the first word of each core value, and then you fill it in. We are committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We are confident in the word of God. We are created to serve God and others, and we are called to love all people. <laughs> all right, do me a favor. Write it down. <laughs> Some of us just need, we need core values for our own lives, right? Like, we need to adopt core values for our lives that help to shape us and mold us as we move forward. And so use these core values because they are applicable, they are transferable, they work for a corporation, a, a, a corporate gathering of people like a church, but they also work for individuals and for families. And so, and then part of that is a purpose statement. And what, what is your life going to be like? Well, as a church, I hope and I pray and our goal and our focus is that we would be impacting our community and our world with the life change message of Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. But before we get to that, I got something for pastor appreciation that I'd like to share with you. A couple weeks ago was pastor appreciation week. And so we uh, received, you know, encouragement and gifts and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I did receive was a a free joke. I got a free, I didn't have to pay five bucks for this joke. It was a free <laughs> joke. And so this is the joke. What did the Buffalo say to his son when he dropped him off at school? Bye, Bye son. I think I've actually used that before, but um, it worked. Again, I got it. I had to use it. So anyway, hey, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to do our best to walk through all of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, do I have a calendar, a calendar up there? Boy, I can't hardly see that. 30? I got like 45 minutes. Is that what they are? Is that what I have, 45 minutes? Thanks, Amanda. Thanks. <laughs> I might take 45 today. Impacting our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? How do we do that? I mean, we got to have steps to accomplish the goal. We got to have things that we can do that help us march down that path, that intentional path that we've set out for ourselves. And so as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, Apollos and Paul um, are, are speaking, Paul especially through the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, is speaking to us about what our lives should look like. And he's speaking to a church. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. He's speaking to believers, people who are like you and I, who are just trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so number one in your 
notes, how do we, how do we impact our community and our world with a life-changing message? We got to live our lives for God and not man. So number one, live your life for God and not man. You think we see that in the scripture? We see it all throughout the scripture, right? We could probably unpack any book of the Bible, any chapter of the Bible, and we'll see kind of this underlying theme in there that we are called to live our lives for God and not for man. 1 Corinthians 4.1 says, so look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. So this first kind of levels the playing field. Paul reminds us of his role as simply a servant of God. What does that word servant mean? If we get a word picture, it's actually the under rowers in the bottom of a ship. The under rowers are the, the least envied servants on the boat. They're underneath at the bottom of the boat and they're rowing and they're pushing the boat. They're moving the boat through the waters. It's, it's a thankless job and they're uh, underappreciated, but they're doing a job moving the ship. Under rowers indicating the lowest galley slaves, the ones rowing on the bottom tier of the ship. They were the most menial, unenvied, and despised of slaves. So when Paul talks about his role as a servant, he really has got a clear perspective of his role. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament he could be boasting about his role within the kingdom, but instead, instead he doesn't. He realizes that he is a servant of the living God. And he communicates that throughout his epistles as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, every person in the kingdom of God is merely a servant of God. And that word could be understood as, as an employee. Maybe that's an easier word for us to understand. We're employees of God. We're actually working for God, we're employed by God here in the earth to do the work that he's called us to do. We're employed to do God's work in the earth. So every servant of God is uh, directly answers to God. Every one of us will give an account and stand before the king and give an account for our lives. Why? Because we're employed by him for purpose to do the work that he's called us to do. So Apollos and Paul, they understood, hey, we're simply employees of God. They were put in charge of uh, explaining God's mysteries. And so they were servants of God. Paul, Apollos and Paul were servants who knew their job in the kingdom. So we're kind of getting some pieces and we're starting to put it together. Apollos and Paul, they were servants and they understood their role within the kingdom. And so there's some things that we can grab a hold of as believers here in the 21st century. We can get a better understanding, a clearer understanding of who we are. We are servants, employees of God with responsibilities. And it's our job to figure out what that responsibility is. Paul continues to challenge us in the next verse, verse two. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. So Paul brings something else to the table that helps us to understand who we are and who we have been created to be. So we are simply servants of God. We're employed by God with responsibilities and we must be faithful 
in those responsibilities. So there's a little three, mini three-point service sermon within a sermon. These are things that God has called us to do. We can unpack the scripture and get point by point. We can get step by step the, the plan that God has for us. And Paul's outlining it for us. We are called to be servants. And so nobody in the kingdom is, is more important than another. We're all just servants of the living God, employees of God, and we've got responsibilities. And it is our responsibility to figure out what our responsibility is. And then once we've figured out what our responsibility is, then we must be faithful with our responsibility. This is indeed how we impact our world, our, our community and our world, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. We get very serious about who we are, not in a uh, unhappy way, but in a, I don't know about you, but when, when a person figures out what they're on the earth to do, it, it, it just fills that person with a sense of purpose, a sense of duty, a sense of responsibility, like I know what I'm here to do. A lot of people go out through, throughout life and they've never quite settled in in their identity and figured out who they are. And so they're running from thing to thing, accomplishment to accomplishment, trying to fill that void. And that void can only be filled in Christ Jesus when we realize that in Christ, we are servants of God. Jesus modeled that for us. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so Paul in the early church Followers of Jesus Christ understood this and they lived their lives in that way. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. This is what God has called us to do, to understand that we are simply servants, employees of God with a purpose and we must be faithful. It's a life and death situation, spiritual life and spiritual death. And so this is why we charge families to disciple their young people. That's why in our church, we're focused on discipling every generation that comes through because we want people to understand who they are in Christ. They are servants of the living God, given responsibility, purpose in the earth, and they must be faithful. <laughs> Three very important ingredients, things that we must get our hands on and our hearts around and must fill our minds this reality that we we have purpose we work who directly for who right what was the second one that i said faithful's three what was the second one you've got responsibility all right so first one we are servants employees of god number two we have responsibilities and number three, we must be faithful, right? It's life and death, right? So make that you know, stick in your heart and in your mind. Let that really settle into your soul and, and, and shape the way that you live your lives and the way that you make decisions. I am a servant of God, an employee of God. I have responsibilities and it's my job to figure out what that responsibility is. And then I, I must be faithful. If you're a, if you've got kids, your primary responsibility are those kids it is your job. We will partner with you in Sunday school and in youth programs and all kinds of stuff, but it is, it is your job. You will stand before the Lord and actually give an account for the way that you've 
parented your kids. And so it's your responsibility to make sure that you are discipling your kids. And then as your kids grow and then as you have grandkids, it's your responsibility to invest in those grandkids because you are in their life for a purpose. My kids are amazing it, in so many ways because of their grandparents, because of the way their grandparents have spoken into their lives and for the countless hours that their grandparents have prayed for them and spoken life into them. So we have this amazing responsibility. Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do. At whatever you do, ministry, vocation, parenting, all responsibilities work Willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people, <laughs> right? We're working for the Lord and it's to the Lord that we will ultimately give an account for our lives. We are working for God as number one, servants. Number two, people with responsibility. And number three, as people who must be faithful. This is... I, this is probably all I need to say today, but I got a few more pages of notes here, so let's continue to go through. <laughs> Colossians 3.24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Over and over again in scripture, we see that the one that we serve is not man, but God. As we work for the Lord, it makes very little difference what others think about our work as long as we are satisfying the Lord. As an aside, if you're not satisfying your boss, you're probably not satisfying your Lord in general terms. So everything that we do must be as unto the Lord. And I, I can make this promise to you. If you are serving your earthly boss as you are your heavenly boss, your earthly boss will be more than satisfied. Why? Because... People who serve God faithfully are people of integrity. They don't lie, steal, cheat. They are people who are responsible and reliable and honorable. And so if you're living your life that way at work and in your home, you are pleasing your heavenly boss. And I promise you, everybody else in your life, kind of like that triangle that Jeremy had, God at the top, Man and woman, as they get closer to God, they're getting closer to one another. As, as you in your life get closer to God, you're pleasing those in your life because you're, you're a better husband, you're a better uh, father, you're a better wife, you're a better mother, you're a better employee, you're, you're a better everything. You, you fill in the blank. Everything is better. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. So make God your priority and everything else will fall into place. But you got to, you got to get that done first. You got to make God your priority in every area of your life. Paul continues in verse three, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. <laughs> Why is Paul making this statement? Paul makes this statement about people's evaluation of his ministry because people are always changing their minds and their basis for evaluation and their basis for evaluation isn't always God's basis for evaluation. So Paul's saying, hey, I just got to make sure that I'm honoring the Lord. And as I honor the Lord, I'm trusting that he's going to do what he wants to do through me. So Paul's not worried about externals. He's not worried about what people are thinking. He's not a people pleaser. He's a God 
pleaser. Why? Because he's an employee of God with responsibilities and he must be found faithful. Paul understood his life. We need to understand our lives, what we're here for. We need to get a hold of our purpose in the earth where we're here for a kingdom purpose. So we got jobs and we've got, you know, hobbies and things like that. But those all take, those are all secondary and tertiary. They're all like way down the list compared to, compared to the reality that we are slaves of God, servants of God, employees of God, and we have responsibility and we must be found faithful. So Paul's not worried too much about what people think about his ministry. And that's really the best way to go about ministry. My ministry may be great for some, but it may put others to sleep. (laughs) It really doesn't matter. I need to be about my father's business. And I, I tell you, it might put others to sleep because I watch people sleep during my sermons sometimes. <laughs> and the craziest thing is sometimes they're right on the front row. I'm like, holy cow, are you kidding me? You're asleep right now. I'm maybe preaching one of my best messages and you're asleep. I'm speaking to a chair because there's nobody there. But I'm like, wake up. We had a guy years ago when I was an associate pastor, I was preaching and this guy was snoring right in the middle of my sermon. He was like 34 rows back and he's just sacked out completely, all right? Listen, you can't sleep through sermons and expect to get anything from the Lord, right? So get some sleep at night and then come ready to go. Most of you know what I'm talking about. What does God think about your ministry? What does God think about my ministry? That's the most important thing. Now we can learn from other people, from people's critiques, people's encouragement. Some of, in my life, some of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn have been through super uber critical people. And the temptation is to say, oh, they're just jerks, they're mean. And even if 95 or 99% of what they're saying is mean-spirited and inaccurate, there just might be a nugget of something in there that I need to hear. There just might be something in there. Get get through all the flesh and all the ugliness of how it was communicated. There might be something there. And so the Holy Spirit will use all kinds of things, mostly his word and his spirit will speak to us, but also through people, we will get a chance to kind of evaluate our lives. But we can't live our lives for people. We can't, we, we can't minister to please people. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So what are you called to do? And don't do it to please people. Don't fall into a, 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 a role of responsibility because you think others think you should be in that role or responsibility. When I wanted to be a senior pastor years ago, somebody said, well, you're just a kid. You probably should just be a youth pastor. I said, well, maybe you're right, but I'm called to be a senior pastor and that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do, right? The world wants to shape who we are, right? When we planted the church, well, you've never planted a church before. You shouldn't plant a church, right? What is it that the world is telling you you shouldn't do because you shouldn't do it in their perspective, right? Like you, you shouldn't do what? Because you've never had what? The experience, the training, the education. What is it that you feel cold in your soul to do, but others are telling you you can't do? Maybe what God, I'm back, not maybe at all, for sure what God has called you to do is fulfilling his kingdom purpose in your life. And so you as a servant of God, a lowly servant of God, get to settle in and do 
finding out your purpose. And maybe you're not finding out your purpose because you're trying to please everybody around you. Listen, you'll never be able to figure that out. You'll never please everybody because as soon as you please one, somebody else is mad at you because you're not doing it the way they thought you should do it or thinking the way they think you should be thinking. So figure out what you're in the world to do. You're first and foremost a servant, an employee of God. So let's get that settled. I'm just a, a lowly under rower right? No prestige. <laughs> no honor, really. It's just an under rower, right? And then I've got responsibility in that I must be found faithful. Paul tells us in verse four, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who examined me and decide. Paul's conscience is clear, but he understands that he might be missing something. Paul's saying, hey, we can't even really trust our conscience. Now, we need to work toward clearing our conscience of known discrepancies in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. But even then, only God can judge us and come to an accurate conclusion. And so we need to be constantly checking in with the Lord. Lord, what am I doing? Is, is what I'm doing in line with you? And you, you can't accurately hear from the Lord on the fly, you got to like settle in and just take some time. You, you, you got to spend time with the Lord. It can't be, hey, Lord, you know, speak to me throughout the day. I mean, God will do that for sure. But you, you just probably just need to get with the Lord and spend some uninterrupted time, turn off your phone, do whatever you got to do, get alone, do whatever you got to do to hear from the Lord and then do that on a regular basis. Otherwise, you'll get way off track. It's easy to get off track. You got to do what you got to do to hear from the Lord. And you got to do it on a regular basis. Lord, how's the ministry going? This ministry that you've called me to, am I doing okay? As I read the word, Lord, is what I'm doing properly reflected in your word? Lord, does it look like what you've called me to do? Does it look like what you've called the church to do? And then, Lord, am I being faithful? Am I being faithful. Last night about six o'clock, I told my wife, I said, I got to go for a walk. And I, cause I, I go walk in and I pray. And that's just how I spend time. I, I'm just out there by myself and I can, I'm ADD probably a little bit. So I can't sit because <laughs> I'll get distracted by a thousand other things. So I just walk and I pray. And, and I came back and I told Julie, I said, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been praying to an iron dome lately. I, I can't break through. Like I, I, like I, 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 don't, I feel like when I'm praying, I can't get through. And, and I realize, you know, we're, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And emotions sometimes rob us of the joy of just doing what we know that we're called to do. And so don't, don't rely on emotions. Because some days you're going to have a great day. Other days you're going to have a bad day. Some days you feel like, oh, I, I got a direct line to the Lord. And other days you're feeling like I can't even, I can't even touch heaven. Right? So... Uh, just keep doing what God has called you to do. Get up, figure out that you're a servant of God, that you've got responsibility and that you must be found faithful. Just trust the Lord. First Corinthians chapter four. So make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns for he will bring our darkest secrets, secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. The new Bible commentary states it is Christ who will expose attempts to cover up misdeeds and will judge not merely actions, but motivations. So Paul's saying, hey, don't look on the outside and elevate one person over another. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, I'm of Christ. You know, we, we look on the outside, 
and we, we misjudge, just, just be worried about yourself, right? Where are you, right? Don't worry about what I'm doing or what your friend's doing. What, what are you doing? Verse 6, dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I've quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. So here Paul reiterates what he's already said, and he challenges the factions and divisions within the church. 1 Corinthians 1.12 says, some of you are saying I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Paul's talking about the distractions that are happening within the church. Well, I'm a part of this faction, or I'm a part of that faction, I'm part of that group, or that, that person, or that whatever. What has God called you to do? We're called to team up together as a church and be part of the kingdom work that God's called us to in the earth, but what, what is God calling you to do? Right? So often we're focused on what others are doing or are not doing in their lives and in their ministry and how we are disappointed by that. But what is called you? What has God called you to do? So Paul, in a sense, is challenging a superstar mentality, right, where we're elevating people. And it's just so unhealthy, right? So if, if we're elevating somebody on the platform to, at the expense of our own ministry that God has called us to, if, if we're missing the point of what God has placed us on the earth to do, then we're missing it all Together, we are of Christ, period. We are of the Lord. I was at a church uh, years ago, and the, one of the leaders in the church was introducing their pastor as the star. He said, hey, there's our star. <laughs> there's no stars in the kingdom except Jesus. I mean, only God is, he's, he, he reigns and rules supreme. We need to live our lives for God and not man, not trying to please men, not trying to become men who people are impressed with or women that people are impressed with. It's, none of that stuff matters. Our goal shouldn't be, I want to be impressive. My goal should be, our goal should be, I want to be invisible, man. I just want to be a servant of God, an under rower. Like, I don't care. I, I, I need to do what I'm called to do and be faithful. And that's, what all is going to matter in the, at, the end of, at the end of the day. So impacting our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, number one, requires that you live your life for God and, and not for man. And then number two, remember that your life and all that you have is a gift from God. In our culture where we've got plenty, we forget that all we have is a gift from God. Verse seven, for what gives you the right, Paul goes on, 1 Corinthians chapter four, for what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is, a, is from God, why, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need? He's challenging the carnality within the church. People who have resources or political power, he's challenging them because they feel like they've already arrived. We, we have to be careful when we've attained a, a level of success to remember that it doesn't matter how much we have or how much we've succeeded in this life. We are only and always still a, a bondservant, a servant, an employee of God in Jesus' name. That is our call, and that will keep us humble, and that will keep us grateful. Every, every, everything that we have is a gift 
from God. And so God has gifted some and it allows those people to become prominent and were to use those prominent gifts and talents to impact the kingdom that we might make a difference in the world. You think you already have everything you need, Paul said. You think <coughs> you're already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning. For then we'd be reigning with you. It's like, hey, you've, you're not even realizing that we're in a battle. You're celebrating, well, prematurely, but you're also celebrating the wrong stuff. We're not here on the earth to build a kingdom unto ourselves, a place of sanctuary for ourselves. We're in a battle for the kingdom. We are under rowers, servants, period, with responsibility, period. And we must be faithful, period. Verse nine, he says, instead, I, I sometimes think God has put us as apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty and we don't even have enough clothes to keep us warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. <laughs> and we can turn on TV and watch health and wealth messages all day long until the cows come home and everybody's telling you you should be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's not what Paul's experience was. The church is delusional if that's what we think we're here to experience and to accomplish. Now, God is good, and he blesses, and he takes care of his church, but most of the church around the world is not healthy, wealthy, and why? They're broken, and the early church experiences. Paul experienced this. We go hungry and thirsty. You turn on some television preachers, teachers, and they're telling you that this should never happen. Well, it happened to Paul. It happened to the early church. We got to change our mind about the kingdom. It's not about us. It's about the king. <laughs> we will never impact our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ if it's always about us. Just, I'm not writing these things to shame you, <laughs> Paul said, but to warn you as my beloved Children, verse 14, verse 15, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father, for I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me, Paul said. So I urge you to imitate me, right? So Paul said, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? That's a bold statement. It's a statement that we should be able to make to our friends, families, and neighbors. Hey, follow me. I'll show you what it means to be a follower of Christ, right? Paul's not arrogant, but he is certainly 
confident in who he is as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to have that same confidence. Why? Because we understand that we are servants of God, slaves of God. We are here with purpose and we are laser-like focused on that purpose because we will be held accountable and we must be faithful. And so with that clarity and with that confidence and with that conviction, we move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and we do what God has called us to do. We live in the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ and we impact our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. It happens really one person at a time, you impacting another person, you impacting someone else, one person impacting another, one at a time, at a time, at a time. Paul wasn't confused about his life. <laughs> we will be confused about our lives if we deviate from the scripture. We will be confused about who we are, about how we should spend our time, our talent, and our treasure, about everything in life. We will be confused walking around in a cloud, confused about what success looks like, confused about what our purpose in life is confused and never knowing whether we've actually made a difference in the earth. But if we figure out that we are servants with a purpose and we must be faithful, then we will no longer be confused. Paul wasn't confused about his life. He knew that his life and all that he had was a gift from God to be used for God and that God could give him a gift to him or take from him whatever and whenever. And Paul was Ready for it, Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I, I know, Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I, I can do everything through him who gives me the strength, right? I can do everything, right? So don't get discouraged if you're in a hard spot in life. Welcome to humanity, right? Financial stressors, physical stressors, relational stressors. Don't get down on God because you think he's not living up to his end of the bargain. His end of the bargain is I save you, you serve me. <laughs> That's it, right? I redeem you by my grace and through my blood and you serve me all the days of your life because I've given you, I've given you purpose. I've adopted you into my family, given you purpose. You get to serve within the kingdom to impact your community and your world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. If we think it's something different, we've missed the gospel completely. If we somehow think that we're important within the kingdom, you're important as much as, much as you've been given responsibility. And if you don't do it, if you don't find yourself faithful, if God doesn't find you faithful, then you've blown it. It's a bit, did you hear me? You have blown it because you got your whole life to figure this out. And God is so faithful and gentle and good. He continues to remind us and teach us. And maybe that's what he's doing today. He's reminding us. He's teaching us. He's instructing us. He's trying to get our attention in a world that's filled with distraction, filled with priorities that have nothing to do with kingdom, filled with hindrances to what God has called us to. Paul said, hey, imitate me, do what I'm doing, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is discipling these believers in 
genuine Christianity, genuine Christianity, genuine Christianity is what we see in the pages of Scripture. Genuine Christianity. The definition of discipleship goes beyond just being a good student of a teacher. Discipleship requires that we imitate our teacher. Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is urging these followers of Jesus Christ to follow him as he follows Christ. Verse 17. That's why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I'm, I will not visit you again, but I will come. And soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power because there's people within the church who are rising up and they're influential and they're speaking a godless, uh, biblically void message. And it's all about uh, people exalting themselves and Paul is there to challenge it. He said, I'll come. Listen, I'd rather have a, a dude come and shake me by the, by the neck and get my attention than standing before God. Right, so I'm the dude today. And I don't make light of that. I, I am calling us. I am pleading that we would understand who we are, that we would get it at the core, that we would live it in Jesus Christ, impacting our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ requires that all believers remember that your life and all that you have is a gift from God and that we need to live our lives for God. There's a British rock band called Queen. Great song that's still played today. Great in the eyes of the world. What's their song? I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. Freddie Mercury just belts it out, right? He wanted it all. They wanted it all. That's the theme of the world. And if we're not careful, it's the theme of carnal Christians. Like we want it here and now. We want our rewards. We want to live life. We want it all now. The fact that Freddie Mercury died of complications with AIDS at age 45 isn't lost on me. This world doesn't offer what we're longing to experience as created beings in Christ, we're we're called to serve the Lord, to give our lives to God. He said, Freddie Mercury, people, do you hear me? Just give me the sign. It ain't much I'm asking if you want the truth. Here's to the future for the dreams of youth. I want it all. Give it all. I want it all. I want it now. 
I want it all. Yes, I want it all. I want it all. Hey, I want it all. And I want it now. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. And this could be the theme of your life. Like I'm working to get it all because <clears throat> we, we think somehow that that's what it's going to scratch the itch or fill the void. He said, I'm a man with a one track mind. So much to do in one lifetime. Do you hear me, people? Not a man for compromise and wares and wise and living lies. So I'm living it all. Yes, I'm living it all. And I'm giving it all. And I'm giving it all. Yeah, 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 whatever. This is the theme of the world. Freddie Mercury died in 1987, but his songs are still going. Impacting our community and our world with life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Number three, remember that the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by the power of God, by God's power. Where did I get that? Where did I get that? The Bible. Okay. If I'm up here preaching something that's not in the Bible, don't listen to me. But if I'm up here preaching what is in the Bible, listen. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living in God's power. Verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. <laughs> God spoke it. This is what we believe as believers. This is what we live for as People who are living for Jesus. It's not just talking about it, but it's living in the power of God. I, I say it all the time. Everything that God calls us to requires that we live in that power, that we're empowered to do what God has called us to do. We cannot see what God is asking us to do. We cannot hear. We cannot do unless we're living in the power of God filled with the spirit of God. Which do you choose? Paul wrote verse 21. Which do you choose? Everything comes down to choice, right? Which, which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, Paul says? He understood his authority within the church and his job to bring correction, but it wasn't his heart to beat people up. It was his heart to disciple people, to raise them up, to encourage them to do what God had called them to do. But he's willing to bring a rod of correction if that's what will awaken the church. Which you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? What do we need? What are we choosing? I mean, do we, do we, want, do we want to stand before the Lord after reading passages like this and hearing sermons like this and say, ah, I didn't take it serious. <laughs> you say, well, I'm old and I haven't been living my life like this. We'll start now. You say, I'm young and my life is just getting started. Get going now. Think about it now. You say, well, I haven't raised my kids the way this, uh, that you've been talking about. We'll start now. Repent and apologize and start now. Say, hey, I've, uh, tell your kids, hey, I didn't raise you the way I should have raised you. Forgive me. I'm going to, by God's grace, begin again. In your marriage, 
Maybe you've not been honoring your spouse the way you should. Begin again. Say, hey, I haven't been the best spouse. Forgive me. I'd like to begin again and begin again. Don't be discouraged by messages like this, but let it light a fire in your soul. We were, had a campfire. We had our grandkids over Friday night and uh, couldn't wait for grandpa to get home because I was going to build a dull campfire, you know. They wanted to help me build a fire. You know, we got this little fire area in the back of our property and uh, they're like, grandpa, we want to we gather sticks so we can help you build a fire. I'm like, okay, go grab the sticks. And we start building this fire, and it's just really small at first. I say, just wait, it's gonna, it's gonna get bigger. So I, I had built this teepee of a structure around this, and it was just a matter of time before that fire just grew and grew and grew and then caught. And before you knew it, it was this tall, and we're just we're roasting marshmallows and having to be careful because we're getting too close to the fire. But <clears throat> it was exciting when there's a, a fire burning. It's an exciting thing. Some of us are just barely embers, ember. We're just barely, barely alive there. Stoke it. <laughs> I got real close to the fire and started blowing on it. I said, watch this guys, watch, watch when I blow life into the air into this fire, it just begins to get hot and big. Let God blow some life into you. Because what God can do in a moment it is wonderful and supernatural to bring life and light to your, your walk as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, your purpose. And you'll, you'll never find greater joy, greater peace, greater fulfillment, and greater satisfaction than when you're doing what God has created you to do. Everything else pales in comparison to that. Everything else pales in comparison to that. So forget about the big points. What are the three small points? Number one. What is it? Oh, servants, employees of God. What does that mean to you? You're here to do what he wants you to do. Yeah, employed by God. We've all been employed by somebody in life, right? Right? What do you, how do you know that you're doing a good job when your boss is saying, hey, great, great job? When you know you've got a good, clear job description and you're doing the job. So be a servant, figure out what you're called to do, and then do it faithfully. Go ahead and stand up, Lord, as we wrap this sermon up, Lord, we thank you for who you are and for your grace, and we love you, Lord, and we know that uh, you love us and that you've given us purpose, and we will be held accountable for that purpose. So, Lord, I pray, I pray that that's what happens here at Harvest Church and everywhere where we have influence, God, that we would, we would model this and live it. And when we stumble, we'd be quick to repent and get back to it in Jesus' name for all the days of our lives in Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
God, as we get ready to worship again, I pray that we'd be worshiping with a clear conscience, knowing that we are settled. From this moment, we are settled. And we are committed from this moment to march forward in Jesus' name to build your kingdom, to impact our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, one person at a time. We are your servants, we have responsibility, and we will be faithful. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, let's worship. Jesus, you're not done with me. do something new within us, that we wouldn't be complacent, but that we would lift our eyes toward heaven, that we would ask what our assignment is for the day. And God, we would just walk moment by moment, day by day with you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your truth. We love you.
It's in your precious name we pray, amen.